Hey everybody, and welcome to Rabbit's Ramblings, Podcast 174. This time I talk about a PlayStation exclusive, Infamous Second Son, and I talk very briefly about Invisible Incorporated, which is on early access on Steam. And that's all I have for you this time. Hopefully you'll enjoy the show. So I finally got a chance to play Infamous Second Son. It was one of those PlayStation 4 exclusive games that I actually kind of wanted to pick up. I haven't previously played the Infamous series, but it looked pretty cool. The red box where I have considered renting games from before hasn't had any PlayStation 4 stuff. So it kind of came and went from there in terms of the window when it would be there and it was never there. But this last Wednesday was my birthday. And the Internet Cafe has this free day pass when it's your birthday. So I figured I'd go in and spend most of the day playing that. I forgot to note when the game originally came out. I'm tempted to say it was about four months ago. I don't think it was there right at launch, but I think it came pretty quickly after that. So this is a little bit of a retro review. And as a PlayStation 4 exclusive, probably not too many of you listeners will be terribly interested in it. But I would say it's certainly one of the few PlayStation 4 exclusive games out there that is worth picking up if you have a PlayStation 4. The story follows the second son in a family, and he discovers he is what the game calls a conduit. And as I said, I'm not familiar with the series. But a conduit appears to be somebody who can channel sort of what are basically superpowers. Some of them are elemental-based. He has one power where he can sort of absorb thoughts and memories from people, which I think is not a common power because everybody reacts kind of shocked to him. And I only got to play 10 hours, so not all of the story and background was revealed to me, which kind of was a good place to start, I think, because through the game, the character's kind of discovering who he is, what he can do, and what this group of people are who are hunting the people they call conduits, and who the conduits are, and, you know, what their story is. It is a fairly open-world, over-the-shoulder, third-person-style game. Primarily action. There is some stealth, but it's very, very brief. I'll talk about that later when I get to the powers. I would say it's fairly open-world and not completely open-world, because it does take place pretty much in Seattle. And that sort of city area seems to be a lot smaller in scope compared to many of the other open-world games I've played. But it kind of works out okay because I believe while there is fast travel, you're pretty much just going to run everywhere. So if it was overly large, they would have to introduce some faster movement powers. And I think the size that they have is a pretty good balance for the powers that they have currently in the game that I saw. The voice acting is very solid. And the cutscene animations are some of the best I've seen in gaming. Not just in terms of graphical representation of the characters looking very good but not looking you know that kind of freakish style or you know overly I guess you could say gamish you know there's this sort of uncanny valley you can look up what exactly that means but 
there's a point at which video game characters look really good, but they still look slightly not totally realistic. And if you sort of pass that line towards more realistic, you either have to go completely realistic, like, you know, computer graphics in many movies that they use, like Star Wars films and such, or you have to go, you know, on the other side, which is more video game-ish that doesn't look quite realistic, because there's this sort of middle spot between the two where things just look wrong. Like I said, the game is very perfectly at the edge of the video game realism, I guess you could say. But also they have really incredibly small details in terms of how the characters are moving, sort of their facial expressions and their body language. You know, there's all kinds of little subtle movements people do in real life that usually aren't translated into games. But Infamous Second Son has done this really, really well. And all of the cutscenes, like I said, look really realistic for this reason. The characters are all very believable in how they move. And like I said, the voice acting is very good. There is an alignment system of pretty much good and evil. It, it says, you know, you'll be a hero or you'll be a villain in several of your choice points. But I'm not sure how much it really affects the game and the story. There were only one or two powers per power set that I saw which were specifically aligned as good or evil. It didn't seem like there was all that many choices you would miss out on if you picked one side versus the other. And in the 10 hours I played, there were only really four points where the story seemed to branch, and I said you can make this good choice or you can make this evil choice. And later on I would see missions. I don't know why they showed you the missions, but I was like, basically what is the equivalent of the third heroic tier and I saw a villain mission, and just out of curiosity, I clicked it to see what would happen. And it showed, you know, the title of the mission, and it showed, you know, I couldn't do it because I was good. But it seemed like, you know, there were these points where you could enter this mission, and there was a good entrance and an evil entrance, and, you know, whichever side you were on, you could do, and the other side was locked. So it seemed like pretty much the missions were always going to be the same thing, maybe from a slightly different perspective. So it didn't seem like the good or bad choices would really make a huge impact. And again, I was kind of confused why it even showed the evil options, you know, once you were good. So while very cool, I thought they could have done more with that. During the 10-ish hours I played, I saw three power sets. You started off with kind of a fire power set, and then you got a neon power set. And then the third power set I saw was a video power set which is kind of light-slash-illusion-based. Mostly they had very similar moves. There were a few sort of core abilities that each power set had that was almost the exact same. It's like you had a light ranged attack, and then you had like a heavy ranged attack, and then you had a melee attack, and pretty much they were all the same. There were some very subtle differences, though, in how you could modify the powers. Like with the fire set, in the light attack, you could get, I think it was two power-up steps, and the second power-up step was if you did a headshot, it would choke the person, and they would immediately go into what the game called a subdued mode, which is basically a non-lethal takedown. Whereas the neon power has the sort of aim ability, you push the left second trigger, and then it goes into an aim mode, and you could hit sort of certain spots on the bad guys and it will either put them into the submission mode or straight up kill them 
So there were some little differences like that, but it would have been nicer to see, you know, a lot more big differences between the power sets. The only really big difference was the left bumper trigger for fire was sort of a grenade-like ability, whereas the left bumper trigger for video was a very brief invisibility. So that was pretty much the biggest difference. Most of the other powers were just basically mirrors between the different sets only, you know, like I said, slightly different. I would have preferred if the power sets had more passive abilities, and these could sort of augment your character in different ways. Like in many games, you can augment toughness and get more health, or you can get more endurance, you know, slash energy, or maybe more movement speed. Didn't seem like they had any of these kind of passive, sort of basic stat-changing kind of traits, which I guess it makes the game a lot easier to balance. But it seems like, to me, they could have done a lot more with the powers and made things a bit more interesting in terms of, you know, the different power sets. So hopefully that'll be something they do in the future. Overall, the graphics looked really great. They moved really fast. I don't know the frame rate, but I I would guess it's running at 60 frames a second because it's really fast and smooth. And a lot of the action is fairly quick. After a few hours, you're starting to fight bad guys, which also have sort of lower-level superpower abilities themselves. So pretty quickly, you'll get some guys that have Earth powers that can kind of super leap around places, and they'll throw up a little shield, or they'll sort of zip across the map. So pretty quickly, you're getting to areas that are involving a lot of fast movement, and it's less sort of a traditional shooter and more of a, I guess, very mobile sort of strategic thing of how do I want to fight these guys? You know, which guys are fighting me? What kind of powers do they have? And one kind of interesting thing is that you can't hybrid powers in the sense of having different sets active at the same time, but there are sort of resources you can drain to get basically what's the equivalent of mana, and whatever resource you grab, it sort of shifts you into that power set. So smoke for fire, neon for the neon power set. So if you're in the fire power set, and then you drain a neon you know, light source and and get the neon power, all of your powers will switch then to the neon power. So you can kind of switch back and forth pretty quickly. You are vulnerable for one or two seconds while you're draining that resource. So you don't want to just, you know, run around and switch all the time. But it is kind of cool to be able to do that because sometimes you want to fight guys with certain abilities, whereas sometimes you want to fight them with other abilities. One thing that was kind of problematic about that design was every time you got a new power set, you would basically be starting over at zero with that power set. So for a brief window, you would be basically really weak compared to the bad guys you were fighting, and there was no way to switch out of that power set because you have to get to a certain, I guess you could say, power level before it unlocks and, you know, you can switch again. So it's like you get really strong with fire in the beginning, and then you switch to neon, and then you're kind of like, Ack, I'm weak, I can't do anything that I was doing before. So you have to be very careful about doing what you were doing. You know, you can't run into that group of bad guys and fight like you used to. You sort of have to be really, really careful whenever you get a new power set. So that's kind of a good thing and a bad thing. It makes it interesting, but it does seem kind of repetitive unlocking the new set over and over. I mean, you know, you're only locking it once per power set, but you're basically doing the same thing to get to the same core powers for each power set. The music seemed really good, though I only remember a few songs. 
so I don't know how much variety there actually is. But it seemed really good and really appropriate. The controls were solid enough, but as per many games of this type where you have bad guys that surround you, the camera work could use a little help because sometimes it was kind of too easy to accidentally jump on something I didn't intend to jump on or run into something because I was running sort of towards the camera or there were bad guys on two sides of me and so I could only see one at a time. So that could use some help as well. Hopefully that'll be another thing they can improve in the future. Like I said, I only played about 10 hours and... I didn't want to leave my login at the internet cafe, so I basically didn't get to save anything I did. I have seen some references on some sites that say it takes 10 to 15 hours to complete on average, so I probably got most of the way through it. Though I didn't get all the way to the end, I would say based on what I played, I would rate it around 4 out of 5, or 80%. And I would say that rating would probably go up a little bit if the camera issues were fixed, and if there were sort of more playtime. I don't necessarily think it needs more powers, but more powers and options would be really nice. But I get that, you know, if it's got a story, you kind of want a fixed character, and you kind of want them to go down a certain more restricted path. So it kind of makes sense. But hopefully those will be things they tweak in the future, and future games can get, you know, perfect scores and be really, really awesome. As per many games in this sort of genre, there are lots and lots of little side quest things you can do. I pretty much just followed the main story in the time I played. There were, I think, like half a dozen different kind of side missions I could have done. I did one or two of them. Oh, the one I did really like was a spray painting one. It was kind of funny because you actually turn your controller on the side. So you're holding it sideways and then the right trigger finger sort of acts like the spray can spray nozzle and then you wave it around like a spray can and so that was kind of fun you know it's like a little break from combat you go and you tag something and do a little spray paint thing that was pretty fun I would say that this is the first game that's actually used the touchpad in a way that actually kind of made sense it would be like you'd touch it and swipe a certain direction to do opening a door or There were some auto turrets and you'd swipe it to turn them off or you'd touch it to absorb the resource. So it kind of had multi-functions. I mean, it's not, you know, totally required. They could have just done like left thumbstick push down or right thumbstick push down to pretty much accomplish the same thing if that pad didn't exist. But it was kind of nice to see them using the pad and using the six axis controllers, you know, motion sensing. That was really nice to see. You don't see that in a lot of games and I don't understand why they haven't used that more in gaming. If you're into sort of open world exploration action type games and you have a PlayStation 4, I would highly recommend it. But I would say, you know, watch out for that price, watch out for the short playthrough time and consider if that's, you know, really something you want to heavily invest in or if something you might just want to rent.
So I have a very brief note about a game called Invisible Incorporated. It is out for early access on Steam. The game is 15 bucks, which I think was on sale. I think normally it's going to be 20 And I've only played a couple hours, so I haven't seen very much. Plus, it's early access, so not everything is actually in the game yet. But if you liked the recent restart of XCOM, or you like, you know, turn-based strategy and you haven't picked up XCOM, you might want to give Invisible Incorporated a look. Maybe not grab it during early access, you know, maybe wait until it's a little more complete and check out all the features. But so far, it starts out with you having two agents, and you're sort of infiltrating different areas. The stuff I've seen all looks the same, but again, that could be just due to early access. And I haven't played all that many missions. I played maybe half a dozen missions, most of which I failed and my team got killed. So that's another part of why I haven't seen very much. Basically, you're trying to sneak around the building. You have a certain amount of action points per turn. And so you move a character here, you move a character there, you push end turn, and then the bad guys will do their turn and they'll walk around the building or investigate noises your character's made. And so it's pretty interesting. It's it's very stealth-oriented so far. The characters only have hand-to-hand sort of taser weapons that knock out the guards for just a few rounds. So it's really difficult right now. I don't know if that's the intent for the final version. But, you know, compared to something like XCOM where you have different types of agents that do many different things and many different weapons and many different armors, this seems very limited in comparison. But it's also, you know, 15 to 20 bucks, so it's a lot cheaper. And like I said, it's early access. Not everything might be in there yet. But if you're into turn-based strategy games, you might want to give it a look. It looks pretty cool. Sort of a modern-ish setting. It's a little bit ahead, I think, for some of the tech and some of the hacking stuff they do. But it seems pretty cool. You go around the building, you hack stuff, you watch out for the cameras, you watch out for the bad guys. And there are different goals you're trying to accomplish. So it seems like it's got a good start. And like, it will come together very well if you're into that kind of game. News this time is basically just about Destiny. It's due out on September 9th, just about two and a half weeks. Super excited for that. There are some sort of random notes I want to throw out, which I may have not known before or not said entirely correctly. Seems like there is confirmation now that each console will be its own population. So PlayStation 3 players will play just with other PlayStation 3 players. PlayStation 4 players will play just with PlayStation 4 players. And the reason they referenced for this is that between the generational changes, there tend to be things like frame rate increase, resolution increase, that sort of stuff. And since this is sort of based around PvP conflict, they didn't want to have, you know, one person having better tech than the other person and having a tech advantage. So that's why the populations are separated there. Somebody supposedly did prove on the Xbox 
that, you know, in terms of your account moving from one to the other generation, it was entirely possible. Supposedly, during the beta, they switched back and forth several times between the 360 and the Xbox One, and their stuff on their account and their character progress was all retained. But again, you're going to be moving between the different populations. So if you move between Xbox 360 and Xbox One, you're going to just be playing with your friends on each of those systems, you know, whoever's on whatever system. Same thing for PlayStation 3 and PlayStation 4. You know, if you have friends on 3 and you have friends on 4, you're going to have to switch back and forth. Your progress and your stuff will stay the same, so that's awesome. But your friends, you know, are going to be independent groups. This does make me concerned, and there wasn't a confirmation on that, that you will need to purchase Destiny for each system. It would make sense, because it is a different client. But, I don't I don't know, that, that kind of upsets me, because if there are people who want to bounce back and forth, I should think, you know, if you have a version that is, say, for PlayStation 4, it should count for previous versions, at least. You know, if not, you know, just get a... PlayStation version and it counts for any PlayStation. That would be really nice to see. I am seeing some sort of indications that this might not be as MMO as we thought in terms of having a single client, you know, throughout time. It might wind up being like the Mass Effect series where it's a separate client each time, which would be kind of terrible in my opinion. Because then you're losing, like, a lot of content if you move forward. I mean, you can go back and forth each time if you want. But I'm really hoping it's more MMO-like, like World of Warcraft or Wildstar, where each expansion is just going to build and add on to what came before. Like I said, I don't have confirmation on that yet. And the last thing is that there was some kind of rumors about Midnight Launch... And it seems like the most clear answer we can get is that Midnight Pacific Time is going to be the launch of the game in terms of when the game servers are turned on. But the game will be physically sold for midnight at your local time zone. So, like people are saying, the most extreme example is people in Australia are going to have to wait almost a full day because they can purchase it at midnight and they're so far ahead in time, it's almost a full day ahead. Which to me, I don't know, it kind of doesn't seem to make sense because if you're talking about, you know, potentially millions of people, you don't want them all hammering the server right at exactly the same time. To me, it would make much more sense to do a phased launch and, you know, each time the time zone hits midnight, you know, another batch of people are going to come in. You know, that way the servers would take a gradual load. I don't know, to me it makes more sense to do that. But it seems like from the evidence out there that it's a physical midnight launch. You can go get your copy at midnight, local time. If you're on digital download or you actually want to play the game, you're going to have to wait until midnight Pacific time. But again, I think I said before, if you do get a digital download, it will preload the client, you know, a couple days in advance. So... You should have the client already, and it just, you know, flips a switch and says you can come in now. So that's all my random rambling for Destiny that I can think of. I may have more later. And I don't expect, you know, my opinion of anything will change at launch. 
because it would just be, you know, more of the same as we saw in beta, just a lot more of it. So I don't think my opinion will change there. But that's all the stuff I can think of news-like for what I may or may not have said before. Well, I was 21. It was a very good year. It was a very good year for city girls who lived up the stair with perfumed hair that came undone when I was 21. So that's it for this week's Rabbit's Ramblings. No Pirate's Treasure. No Patreon people as far as I know. I'm like a million degrees in my car overheating and starting to sweat. So I'm going to cut this kind of short. It's kind of a sad birthday even though I did get to play a game I've been wanting to play. You know I was in the room by myself. You know there aren't a whole lot of console players at the internet cafe. Plus, you know, like I said, you can't really save your progress otherwise somebody else might overwrite your game or whatever. So that's probably a huge deterrent to most people playing there. But it was also, you know, very sad because I was in sort of a small room by myself, much like I would be playing, you know, in a home. So it kind of did just make me more homesick. You know, I did wish that that was, you know, a home that I was in and that I was playing and that I could, you know, save my game or do other things or do whatever. And so that was kind of just, you know, more of a sad reminder. But I guess other than that, things are okay-ish. No news on jobs or getting more money. So that's a worry. But I'm trying not to worry too much because, you know, I got until, you know, sometime in January before I really need to worry about that again. So I'm trying just to be you know, careful about my money spending and not worry about it too much. Otherwise, I'd like never sleep because I'd be stressed out so much all the time. But hopefully everybody out there is having an okay time. And if it's still summer for you, hopefully you're enjoying that. Seems like a lot of people are going back to school now. So that's kind of sad, but you're kind of happy if you're in that phase of your life, you know, a new beginning. But hopefully everybody out there is not having a terrible time like me, and having more happy times than sad. And hopefully, I'll see everybody next time. Okay, thanks, bye. It is a fairly open world Sort of over the shirt. Sure, So it kind of had multi-functions. I mean, it's not, you know, totally required. They could have just had set. And the reason they referenced for this is that between the general... I'll be back. You have been listening to Rabbit's Ramblings. If you would like to see the show notes or feed the bunny by sending a donation... You can find the show website at www.rabbit.com slash podcast slash rabbitsramblings.html.
When you type rabbits ramblings, don't use the space. If you would like to send me an email, you can do so at rabbit at rabbit.com. If you like my page, you can also post on Facebook at rabbit.com. You can follow me on YouTube at rabbitdot.com. I have a page on Patreon at www.patreon.com slash rabbit, R-A-B-B, number one T. You can set up a monthly recurring subscription there at a price point of your choice. Be sure to put the number one in place of I anytime you type rabbit. Rabbit's Ramblings is copyright 2014 and is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Share Alike license.